Are you struggling with jealous friends, unexpected temptations, or even big battles? These can be difficult to navigate. But Dr. David Jeremiah, through his study on King David in The Tender Warrior, teaches you what you can do when you face these situations. This month, when you give a gift of $120 or more to Turning Point, we'll send you the complete two-part CD album, study guide set, and the God Shot devotional. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. Have your plans ever led you into a predicament that seemed impossible to escape? If so, you know the desperation David and Saul must have felt. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers how the two rebellious men found themselves in such hopeless situations and how God intervened in each case. To introduce the conclusion of his message, Two Men in Misery, here's David. Well, thank you for joining us today, and today we pick up where we left off yesterday in the life story of David as we examine David's misery and Saul's misery for two different reasons seemingly happening at the same time. We'll get to that in just a moment from 1 Samuel 28 and 29, but before we go there, just a reminder again that the resource for the month of July is the book called The God Shot by Tara Lee Cobble. 100 Daily Devotional Readings from the New Testament Focusing on the Attributes of God. It's a hardcover book, 216 pages. Uh, You can read what's on the page in 90 seconds or less, but it will be truth that will guide you throughout the day. It's a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful way to worship God and, and to grow in your knowledge of Him. Once again, the book is called The God Shot. Just ask for it when you send your gift to Turning Point during the month of July. Here's part two of Two Men in Misery. Saul had iniquity in his heart. He was not in fellowship with God. He had sin that was unconfessed, and he had no desire to change. And yet in a moment, he thought, well, I'll just ask God to help. It reminds me of what people say to me sometimes, and I think this is the most bold and brass and perhaps frightening statement I ever hear when people come and tell me about how they're going to do such and such that they know is against the will of God, but they'll ask God to forgive them. And I want to tell you something, that prayer will never be heard until there is confession of sin. Saul's prayer never got out of the room. In fact, it was like no prayer at all. I just want to show you a verse of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn over to 1 Chronicles 10. When Saul prayed, it never got out of the room. It was like no prayer at all. God never heard it, and I think I can prove that to you. At the end of the 10th chapter of 1 Chronicles There's kind of an obituary of Saul telling why he died. I want you to just look at that real quickly. Chapter 10, verse 13. So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it, and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. And some have said, well, this is a contradiction. Saul did inquire of the Lord, and this passage says he didn't. No, this passage just records the fact that Saul said a prayer, but he never inquired of the Lord. God never heard it. It was like no prayer at all. If you want to pray and ask God for help and you're not right with God, you might as well keep your mouth shut because God isn't going to hear it. And that's what happened to Saul. Saul prayed. And God never heard his prayer. Well, the final fall of Saul is recorded then in chapter 28 in verse 7. 
And we read that Saul said unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said unto him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. Now just wait a minute. It's just a couple of verses ago that we read that Saul had done away with all of the people who were wizards and mediums and had evil spirits. Look back in your Bible at the end of the third verse. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Now, when God doesn't answer him, we find Saul going after the wizards himself. He's going to find out if he can get any information from them. This is a fearful conclusion to the life of this man, Saul. And as we just read in 1 Chronicles, that's the reason why he died. Because he sought help from the witch of Endor. He had banned those wizards and now he is consorting with them. In some respects, Saul is just like David, isn't he? He's in between. He is now asking for help from the very source he has banned. He can't live on both sides of the fence. In one moment, he's saying, get the wizards out of the land. In the next moment, he's calling to see if he can find one to help him. In one moment, David's fighting against the enemies of the Lord. In the next moment, he's joined up with them. He is like Saul. They are living in never-never land. They can't live in both worlds. You either have to be with God or against him. You can't have middle ground. There's no neutrality in this matter of knowing God. And so we read in verses 7 through 14 the sad occasion that took place. So Saul said to his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit. And Saul disguised himself, put on other raiment, and he went, and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, I pray you, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up, whom I shall name unto thee. Now what's going on here is what we call necromancy. It's dealing with the dead to find out what has happened. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done. How he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And you are laying a snare for my life to cause me to die. The woman thought that Saul, who was in disguise, had come to see her to find out if she was indeed a wizard. And then he was going to report back to King Saul and she would be killed. And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. And the woman said, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the women saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid. For what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me. God is departed from me and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee and is become thine enemy? And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me. For the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. And then Samuel in this Revelation goes on to tell Saul that the next thing that's going to happen in his life is that when he fights against the Philistines, he's going to die and his sons with him. 
Is it possible for someone to go and sit before a wizard, have them call a prophet back from the dead, who then is going to come and give a revelation to the man who has sought the wizard in order for that to happen? How do you explain that? Well, this passage has been a real interesting passage for people who want to deal with the spiritism and all that goes on in our present world. And let me just explain to you some things that are going on here. First of all, what happened was wrong. It was absolutely a violation of the word of God. The Bible forbids what Saul did. And as we already have discovered, Saul was killed for doing it. God took him out because of what he did. Isaiah the prophet sums up God's viewpoint. This is what Isaiah says. Woe to them that seek to wizards and witches that chirp and mutter. Why should the living seek unto the dead instead of to the living God? That's God's viewpoint. My friend, if you ever get caught up in any of that, you ought to get as far away from it as you can. It is a terrible thing even to dabble in it. Don't get caught up in it. Don't ever get near it. It is a sin. It is against God's word. And the only thing that can happen of it is evil and wrong. Well, you say, then, how do you explain the fact that Samuel seems to have come back from the dead and spoken to Saul? Well, there are basically three views that come down to us about this passage. Number one, some people believe that nothing really happened anyway. That it was just a trick of the wizard. That the witch just made it all appear to happen. And the Bible just records what appears to be. Some people believe that the evil witch caused the semblance of Samuel to appear. But not really Samuel. And one of the reasons they say that is because when Samuel speaks... He says that Saul and his sons are going to die tomorrow, but it's not until three days later that they die. So if this was really Samuel, he would have told the truth. Although you surely can get around that by looking at the word tomorrow a little more generically than just as the next day. What I believe happened, and I am not going to solve this problem for all of the ages because it's been warred over by men much smarter than I am. What I believe happened is something that I think you will understand if you will read a passage with me in the book of Ezekiel. Will you find your place in the book of Ezekiel in the 14th chapter? Ezekiel chapter 14, I want to read three verses. Here's what I think happened. Let's read verse 3 and then verses 7 and 8. Ezekiel 14, 3, 7 and 8. Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? Verse 7. For every one of the house of Israel, or of the stranger that sojourneth in Israel, which separateth himself from me, and setteth up his idols in his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and cometh to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me, I, the Lord, will answer him by myself, and I will set my face against that man, and will make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people, and you shall know that I am the Lord. You know what I believe happened? Saul went to the witch of Ender, and he thought he would get some information from this wicked means, and when he inquired of the witch... Immediately, God made happen what happened, and God allowed Samuel to speak. And one of the reasons I believe that is because when Samuel came back, I think he scared the witch more than he did Saul. Do you read the text? When Samuel appeared, she screamed. She had no idea what was going on. And I love what Samuel said. Does this give you any appreciation of life after death? Samuel said, why are you bothering me? Why have you brought me up and disquieted me? I mean, I was doing fine. Why do I have to come back and talk? 
And then Samuel poked his finger in Saul's face and pronounced his ultimate judgment. Do you believe God could do that? Yeah, I do. But I'm going to tell you something. If you think you're going to shortchange the way God speaks to his people today by consorting a wizard so that you can bring somebody back from the dead to speak in behalf of God, be prepared for a message of doom and judgment because that's the only thing that came from that. Whether you expect that or not, that's what happened. Samuel came back and he spoke to Saul and the prophet that Saul had no regard for spoke the doom of Saul the king. Now just stop for a moment and let's think about this. Here's this man who was God's king. He's in trouble. He's afraid. He tries to get a hold of God. God won't answer. He finally resorts to an evil way and God intervenes and sends his prophet to speak to him, pronounces his doom. This is the misery of Saul. But let's leave Saul for a minute and let's go back and find out what happened to David. Remember David? He's been asked to fight for the Philistines against the Israelites. It doesn't look like there's any way out. He's either going to be an enemy of God or he's going to be an enemy of the king who has given him protection. What's going to happen? Well, let's read verse 1 and 2 of chapter 29. Now the Philistines gathered together all their armies to Aphek, and the Israelites pitched by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed by by hundreds and by thousands. But David and his men passed on in the rearward with Achish. Now I'm just going to tell you what happened. Then the princes of the Philistines saw David, and they said, What is he doing here? You mean we are going to fight against Israel with David and his men in our midst? And finally, the Philistines talk Achish into getting rid of David because they're afraid David's going to be bad luck. And they don't want David to fight with them. And I want you to notice what David does. David is God's champion warrior against the Philistines. David had often called upon God to defeat the Philistine enemies, and now he is numbered among them. He had time and time again refused to lift his hand against Saul, the Lord's anointed. Now he's about to be a leader in the army that's going to kill Saul and his sons. And David had no hope of escaping, but God once more intervenes in behalf of his king. And in verses 3 through 5, we are told what happened. The princes were wroth, and they said, Is not this David of whom they sang one to another in dances, saying, Saul slew his thousands and David his ten thousands? And Achish called David and said unto him, Surely as the Lord liveth, thou hast been upright in thy going out and coming in with me, and the host is good in my sight, for I have not found evil in thee since the day of thy coming unto me this day. Nevertheless, the Lord's favor thee not. Wherefore now return and go in peace, that thou displease not the lords of the Philistines. What do you think David said in his heart when that happened? What would you have said? He's off the hook. God got him out of trouble once again. Here he was in this dilemma that had no answer. And finally, the Lord intervenes and causes the Philistines to be upset about David's presence. I want you to notice what a sorry person he can be sometimes. Watch what he does. And David said to Achish, But what have I done? And what hast thou found in thy servant so long as I have been with thee unto this day that I may not go fight against the enemies of my lord, the king? David, you sorry liar. 
That isn't what he's thinking about at all. He is so glad to be free, but he's going to carry this lie out to its ultimate. And Achish answered and said to David, I know that thou art good in my sight as an angel of God, notwithstanding the princes have said he shall not go up with us to the battle. Wherefore now rise up early in the morning with thy master's servants that are come with thee, and as soon as ye be up early in the morning and have light, depart. And David arose early and returned to the land of the Philistines. And so we have two men in misery, one whose problems get worse and one who is delivered by the Lord to fight again. I want to stop at the end of these two chapters, which we have covered so very quickly, and some of this we have to cover quickly because there's so much of it. I want to remind you that David is still lying, still lying after God has delivered him. He has a problem. He has a flaw in his character. Let's just close our thoughts and our notes and our Bibles today on these thoughts. The plurality of sin. Did you know that it's almost impossible for a man to commit just one sin? Someone that I read recently said, a sin can outbreed an Australian rabbit. I think he was right. Do you know that sin breeds sin? There's a proverb that says, whoever tells a lie ought to have a good memory. Or forgetting his first lie, he will tell some more, covering it up. David made one little misstep away from God, but then to cover that step, he had to make another lie and another lie on top of that. And before he knew it, he was in the midst of an intrigue that had him fighting for the enemies against his own people. Men and women, we cannot be too careful in our lives We may think that this one little thing we are going to do is unimportant. Well, God is a lenient, loving God, and he's not going to get upset if I just do this one little thing. But you cannot do just one little thing. For sin begets sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. And surely that's the lesson of this passage, the plurality of sin. Just stop for a moment. Try to get a picture now of God's people, the Israelites. And think, if you will, of two of the kings that you can name. Surely the first king is the man Saul, and perhaps the most notorious king is the man David. And men and women, these are the two men we're talking about today. These are the two men, anointed of God, placed in a position of responsibility for God. And they're involved in lies and murder and necromancy and wizards and evil spirits and you name it. You say, how could that happen? Listen to me. The potential of sin for any one of us is beyond what we would ever imagine if we could only see it from God's perspective. There is an old adage that says the best of us are capable of the worst and the worst of us are capable of the best. And there is truth in that. And most of the men that you and I know who have fallen as did David and Saul have fallen walking up the mountain of improbability. It couldn't happen to them, and yet it did. We review the past year of difficulty and embarrassment for the church of Jesus Christ, and we look out over what has happened in the church, and most of the things that happened happened to people that nobody believed they could happen to, and yet they did. And if we don't read this any other way but to see, here are two men that were anointed of God, and the potential for sin in their life is certainly played out before us in today's drama. The Bible says, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sin 
killed Saul. Listen to me. It killed him. Read again 1 Chronicles chapter 10. The Bible says that it was Saul's sin that killed him. And that leaves us with one other question to answer. And that is, why was David helped and set free and Saul allowed to die? I don't know that I can fully answer that, but I want to set forth at least two thoughts. And these are the thoughts of hope for all of us today. Number one, obviously God's sovereignty is involved in this. God allowed it. God planned it. David was God's man and God took care of him and God extricated him out of the problem. We can never, however, depend upon the sovereignty of God to get us out of the trouble we ourselves inflict upon our own lives. But I think if there's any one reason why David was spared, it is found in the tenor of his psalms and in the writings of his own heart. And that even though David sinned and even though we recognize the flaw in his character, David had a heart for God. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Do you know, I think when we find trouble coming into our lives and difficulty, we may not be able to see our way out of it. We may be caught in the trap of our own making. The real key issue is this. Where is your heart in all of this? Saul's heart had become hardened and he was rebellious and he would not do what God called him to do and he was disobedient and his rebellious heart was ultimately his doom. But David had a heart that was soft and pliable. And when I read what he writes in the Psalms in 51 and 32 and many of the others, I see that here is a heart that is easily broken with the knowledge of his own sin. And as the Spirit of God got a hold of David, he could be wooed back into fellowship. And that's what I want to ask you as we close today. Where is your heart? Do you have the heart of Saul or the heart of David? Are you broken when you review the sin in your own life? Do you see what God sees when you look at your own life and your own situation? Are you far from tears or do you find that when you understand what you have done that sometimes the tears come and the heart is broken? Oh, I pray to God that no matter what he ever does to me or however he has to treat me, that he would never let me get a hard heart. That he would allow my heart to stay soft. I know I will sin in the future, that I will make mistakes every day of my life, but I don't want to have a heart that is hardened toward God's attempt to woo me back. Is that your prayer? Then, my friend, no matter what you've done or where you are in your life, God can get through to you. His voice can be heard in your life, and perhaps his voice is speaking to you today. He wants you to come back into fellowship with him. He wants you to come back and to be restored and to know the joy you once knew in knowing him. And if your heart is open to that, that itself is evidence that there is hope and there is a future. Amen. Amen. Well quite a story we're undertaking here. Can you believe all of this is in the Bible? It's in the Old Testament. It's like a novel being played out in in front of us. The story of David, the man after God's heart. You know, um, we look forward to these discussions every day centered around the Bible. We also look forward to the opportunities that our radio broadcast gives us to help you Uh, find other experiences in your life, one of which we're very excited about, and that's the opportunity to visit Israel. Have you been to Israel? Is there any reason why you wouldn't want to go? I want to tell you that you can go, 
And uh, we want to encourage you to go to davidjeremiah.org slash events and get all the information. The date's March the 12th through the 22nd. A whole bunch of us are going, and we're going to have a great time celebrating our faith in the land of the Bible. And uh, you will never be the same if you take this trip. You will never be the same. The Bible will never read the same way. Everything lights up when you see where it all happened and have the experience of being there. So I hope you will take advantage of that. And most of all, I hope you will join us tomorrow as we take the next step in the story of David. Uh, Tomorrow's kind of a dark story. It's the story of Saul's suicide. It's hard to believe this man who stood head and shoulders above all of his people. He had every reason to succeed, and he ultimately failed. What a story. We'll talk about that tomorrow here on Turning Point. You have to have this piece of the puzzle for it all to fit. Sometimes we think we wish we could only have the positive pieces, but the positive pieces don't make it work. Someone once told me if all you have on the piano are the white keys and you don't have any black keys, you can't make music. And that's the way the stories are in the Bible. You have to have some of the dark days to appreciate what God is doing throughout this story. So join us tomorrow as we tell the story. Get the study guides, get the CD packages, most of all, get our magazine. All of that you can connect with at davidjeremiah.org. See you next time, friend. Thanks for joining us. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Your notes of encouragement are always a blessing to us, so please write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of The God Shot, a devotional focused on God's character by teacher and podcast host Tara Lee Cobble. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also view over 1,200 of Dr. Jeremiah's sermons on any screen on our Turning Point Plus streaming service for a monthly gift of any amount. Visit turningpointplus.org for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Tender Warrior, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. When a famous comedian and actor died recently, the widow of the actor's best friend described the two men as being closer than brothers. Now that's quite a compliment. Maybe the highest form of friendship. 
That phrase, closer than brothers, comes from the book of Proverbs. Solomon was describing a kind of love that is deeper even than familial love. That kind of love is loyal and never failing. The kind of love Jesus Christ has for us. Jesus is our elder brother in the family of God. He is a friend who is always there. No wonder the hymn writer wrote, What a friend we have in Jesus. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's friendship on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today. Today.